1: Hello, and welcome to Ask Wildman. Uh, My name is Miles Bassett, and this is a open Q&A brought to you by Wildman Web Solutions. We are a digital marketing agency based here in Lawrence, Kansas. We specialize in bringing digital marketing services to small and medium-sized businesses. So that's websites, SEO, social media marketing, um, design services, ad campaigns, the works. Uh, And we are here every week streaming live to our facebook and youtube pages uh, to answer your questions any and all questions you want to ask us about um, advertising marketing technology business in general we are here to answer those questions Um, and we're doing this every week live streaming to our facebook and youtube pages um, uh, wednesdays at 11. also if you haven't checked it out yet we are putting this out as a podcast so be on the lookout for that. Uh, we'll have links on our website and on our social media as soon as that is pushed out live. If it's not already, um, we'll be publishing to anywhere podcasts are heard. To help me today answering your questions, I have Mr. Mike Hanna, two, one. Mike. Good morning, Miles. How
0: in the heck? How are you doing today sir
1: good to see you i'm doing great i am so happy it's a beautiful day it is no longer sub-zero here in kansas thank god uh that was uh that was a little bit long for me with those arctic conditions i'm, I'm ready to be done with that for a little while
0: i make a man out of you back in my day no just kidding
1: uh <laughs> you yeah, walked yeah, uphill yeah. both ways <laughs> there was snow ice so this is an open Q and A uh, for anyone and everyone who wants to join in here. So we'll have a couple of topics that we wanna that we're gonna go over, um, but if you have any questions about you know getting your business online, leveraging social media, improving your website, uh, showing up in the search, you know whatever it is you want to ask us about, uh, this is what we do all day, every day, professionally, and we are happy to give you the secret sauce on anything and everything that we do here. Uh, so we'll be here for the next half hour hour or so uh just just live streaming again um if you are not catching this live but you still want to ask us a question or you want to get involved you can email us your questions at ask at wildmanweb.com and we will get back to you either via email or we'll answer your questions live on next week's show like i said this is a weekly show we're doing this wednesdays at 11 live streaming to our facebook and youtube and hopefully some other social channels here in the uh in the near future, but for right now, that's where we are. So pick your poison and then like, share, follow, subscribe, you know what to do. Okay. So we're going to be starting with a couple of questions coming in through the emails um, and that we've just kind of gotten from clients over the last week or so. Um, I guess I'll start, I've got a a fairly simple one here, relatively speaking anyway. Um, We had someone ask about ADA compliance. Um, if you're not familiar with this, um it, most websites aren't required to be ADA compliant. Um, but it is a really nice thing to do. Um, this is the uh what is that acronym? Americans with uh... Disabilities Act. Yes, American with Disabilities Act there. I was gonna get there. I just needed a little time. <laughs> so I'm still I need I need a couple more cups of this before I'm I'm all the way at full speed. Um keep it going. So yeah the Americans with Disability Act requires websites to um, configure their sites in certain ways so that people mostly focusing on uh, the visually impaired uh, can still interact with your website in a meaningful way. Um, so there's I mean there's a lot of different disabilities that can interfere with someone's ability to uh, work with your website. But the big one that we're going to focus on here is that visual impairment, uh, because they are interacting with your website in a way that no one else is. They're utilizing tools like screen readers um, that heavily rely on the text content of your website. Um, so it's not just you know, uh, that pictures aren't going to be as relevant. It's that the site itself, the structure of it, um, influences how we interact with it um, tells us what we can click and what we can't uh, what's a button what's an image what's a link Um, i mean you don't even realize it when you're looking through a website but you recognize that this little bit here is a slightly different color and therefore that is a link and that's something that is not present uh, for the visually impaired so utilizing tools like screen readers they can scroll through a website hover over things and it will audibly tell them what it is that they're looking at what's on the page um, or what they're they're focusing on with their mouse so in order to be ADA compliant and to be useful um, to people like that who are, are browsing your site and want to engage with your content you really got to focus on the text side of your site this actually helps in a couple of different ways even if you are You know mean and don't care about visually disabled people um visually impaired people um you know there's still some benefits to having some of these things in here um and and really leveraging the text side of your site because that's also what search engines are seeing and other crawlers they're just seeing the text they don't know what that is a picture of necessarily so this could be a good option for anyone and everyone to really look into Um, The big things that you want to do for for making your site compliant um, and really leveraging the text side of everything is to focus on your metadata for your pages, for your posts, for your images, pretty much anything that you're adding to your website, it will come with something called metadata. Metadata is information about the item, not information on the item. or the object that we're talking about. Again, that can be a page, or an image, or a video, whatever it is, this is information about that object. So that'll be, it'll give you an opportunity to put in something called a title, and that's just you know, very, very brief one or two words of what this thing actually is. Um, Potentially a description, or tags, or categories, uh, depending on what kind of technology you're using to build your website and what kind of information you're uploading. It'll give you a bunch of different options to input this this metadata. The more accurate metadata that you apply to your images, to your posts, to your new pages, the more um, adherent you're going to be towards tools um, used by the visually impaired. So when they hover over an image, they're going to get their screen reader to say something that is actually relevant. Uh, I'll see some people, they just use those spots for their, their own keywords. So it's not actually a picture of, I don't know, they put up a picture of a dog on their website and instead of saying, you know, on the title, this is a picture of a dog, it says uh, their keywords for their business. So that could be helpful in search, but it's definitely not ADA compliant. It's definitely not doing any uh, services to the visually impaired they're interacting with your website. So make sure that this is accurate information. Um, ideally you are putting in some relevant keywords in there because hopefully the images on your site, the pages on your site are relevant to your business. Um, you know, those two things really should go hand in hand, but really you're going to want to put something in there that is descriptive. Think if I couldn't see what this is and I just had to have someone describe it to me and tell me what it is that I'm looking at, that's what this needs to be. And there's not a whole lot of, I mean, there's some very extensive guidelines when it comes to ADA compliance specifically, Uh, but in general, as long as you make an effort towards something like that, you're putting in relevant titles and descriptions for each one of your website pages and for each one of your pieces of media that you put up there, um, then you're probably going to be in a a pretty good position. Uh, A lot of people don't do this, so if if you just put in a a good effort to put in these good titles and relevant descriptions, uh, then you're going to be in a pretty good place. If you really want to go above and beyond, then check out the um, Website Content Accessibility Guidelines. Uh, This is just a freaking textbook on all of the things that you can do to tick all of those boxes and make sure that you are 100% in compliance. And there are some tools out there. Um, there are some that come with website builders, like for uh, for WordPress, for example, because that's a super popular one. There are ADA specific plugins that you can do. It'll plug into your site. It'll find everywhere where you are missing the mark and tell you what to do. So all you have to do is fill in the blanks mm-hmm. and it will make your site compliant. Um, and there's tools like that all over the place. So if you're really wanting to hit all of that and you really want to check all those boxes or your industry for whatever reason requires it, make sure to use one of those tools to scan your site and find all of the opportunities for compliance uh, improvements. Yeah, that, that's a great tip, Miles, there,
0: getting the uh, the site scanner, just so you can double check and, and, and be sure, because a lot of people don't know what to look for. And as you just laid out there, there's, there's a lot of layers to this. And, you know, the other thing I, th- I think, you know, is to be cautious of what state you're in. I know some states, they do have laws uh, re, you know, regarding this, I, I've heard a horror story uh, um, out of California, I believe it was, where there are companies out there that literally they're, they're predatory companies and they literally go and find unsuspecting businesses and and basically hold their their site hostage for a ransom and say, hey, we're going to report you, you know, get your your website shut down if you don't uh, if you don't you know do what we say. And uh, somebody I heard that was telling this this sad story said, you know, their lawyers are basically like, you could fight this and win, and it cost you a hundred grand, or you could pay them the ten thousand they want, and they had to they had to write a check for ten thousand dollars. So, you know, I don't think we have to worry about that uh, here in the Kansas City area, but you know, so, some some of our our clients and certainly people who, who might find this show may be in a state where that's uh, that's happening, and so uh, you know, just another. I know, I know, business owners. We have a million things to check off, but it's just another thing to put on the list. Uh, you know, to to cover your your you know what, uh, and make sure you don't get uh, ended up with uh, being held ransom or a fine from the state or some sort of litigation over it. And the fact that I mean, just there's a lot of you know visually uh, impaired people out there, and you want to make sure those people can navigate your website. I mean, that that's really where it comes from. Yes, there
1: is a, a hierarchy of goals well, here. First. You know. You need to make your site so that people can interact with it, regardless of their visual abilities. Um, And secondly, um, to not get sued. And then the third um, is to uh, hopefully rank a little better, improve your search search results. Um, So make sure to have your priorities in order when you're working on this. But yes, there are businesses like that. I'm not even sure if I want to call them businesses, predatory organizations that go out and sue people. they are usually looking for a settlement an out of court settlement um, because i mean the way that the, the laws are written here uh, generally like i said if you are you're making an effort towards that a real effort to make your site compliant then you're not going to be held legally accountable for um you know not having a exactly proper title on one of your pictures or something. It's kind of subjective in how they measure that. So as long as it looks like Mm. you are putting in um, some sort of real effort there, you're not just completely ignoring the concept, then you're probably not going to be held legally liable. But there are people that um, will try to look for that out-of-court settlement knowing that fighting something like that can be very difficult and expensive. I do want to answer a question that did come in on live um, from Sarah from Archibalds. Um, she's just asking Are businesses using TikTok for marketing? Short answer yes, absolutely. Uh, we've talked about it a couple of times on this show. If you want to go back through um, any of our old shows here um, on our website, there's a section for live stream archives, and we do hit on that a couple of times throughout the weeks. Uh, but, Mike, did you want to just real short version of uh, your advice on TikTok marketing for small businesses?
0: Yeah uh great question i think tiktok is certainly worth exploring um and if i if if i if i have the person right that that answered the, or asked this question miles me to put it up on the screen because i can't see uh we're talking about a restaurant well, it was in the in old space.
1: stream so well, i, I can't actually stream. put it up okay, here so, yeah
0: well, i'm just gonna i'm just gonna answer the question that then uh how i think it was asked but yeah definitely uh i i would be looking at testing uh TikTok um especially if it's a re- it's if it's for a restaurant even if it's not for a restaurant i think i said a couple days on uh, or a couple weeks ago on the show that you know even if you're a lawyer i think at this point you need to be you need to be testing uh TikTok why because it's one of the few platforms out there that you can get organic reach from organic engagement you can get new followers you can reach people who have no idea who you are for free which is really hard to do, um, you know, especially on something like Facebook, it's getting harder to do on Instagram. There is Instagram reels, uh, which is a way that you can navigate organic reach uh, on Instagram. But TikTok, it's like uh, Facebook was, you know, in the early days or Instagram was in the early days, you know, most of these platforms, when they start out, they, they basically have a more open algorithm and so it's meant for, for organic reach. And they do this for a couple of reasons. The first reason is to build the user base. And the second reason is to get influencers, so to speak, people who will create content to migrate to that platform because they can get followings. But this also works really well for, for any size business uh, be, because you can also, like I said, get followings uh, without having to pay for it, essentially. You just have to put out consistent content and... You know, depending on, you know, on what you consider good on TikTok, it doesn't necessarily even have to be good or maybe as good as some other platforms in order to get a following because what is happening on these platforms is there's more attention than there is content creators. And again, this is the same thing that happens with pretty much every emerging platform that we've seen. And so if you're the one out there putting content on it, you're going to get a lot more eyeballs than maybe you even deserve uh, on TikTok. TikTok than you would, again, on something like Facebook or even Instagram. And so that's why I would really, really uh, look at at testing uh, things out. And so just that means putting out a whole lot of different content and then looking at, uh, you know, the amount of engagement you get, the amount of views you get, the amount of followers that you get with the different types of content that you put out there. Um, And so this could be, it it doesn't have to be silly dances. As a matter of fact, I would probably... Recommend that you don't do that kind of stuff unless it's really like your personality and in your wheelhouse, then yeah, jump on one of the trends that's happening. But, you know, you, whatever platform you're on, you want to be as authentic as possible to yourself and to your brand, uh, you know, and so it can be a combination of, of giving value, which is, is just defined by in, being informative, being educational or being uh, entertaining and also just documenting your process You know, as a small business, there's things that happen every single day that we can just document that people will find interesting. Now, we can't go too overboard on that and make it all about ourselves because, you know, everybody's favorite radio station is WIIFM, what's in it for me. Uh, And and they want to hear about, you know, things that relate to them more than relate to you. But you can get away with a little bit about talking about you and showing your process, showing your wins, showing your losses, that kind of stuff uh, on the platform like TikTok. So, Miles, I don't know if that was a quick answer, um, but, you know, I definitely want uh, a follow up question if there is one uh, before we move on, because I think it's really important that that people just get on there and just test and see what works for them, because it could end up being a great way, for, like I said, for a small business to reach people that don't know about them, and, and not have to pay for it, uh, and then, of course, when you do get a following, you want to quickly siphon those people off, <clears throat> excuse me, into something you control, a website, an email list, a texting platform, something like that, um, and, and and that way, you can, you can communicate with them one-on-one more, and really grow that uh, that follower into a customer. So, uh, hopefully that answers the question. But happy to take any follow-ups on that.
1: Yeah, hopefully Sarah has switched over to our new stream here. Um, but I'll, I'll weigh in a little bit more and just extend on something that you mentioned there. Um, you know, whether it is a trend like the silly dances on TikTok, or a trending hashtag, or a trending platform, uh, TikTok would be would fall into that category of. You know, maybe it's going to be the next big thing. Maybe it's a fad. We don't really know um, at this point. But regardless of what you're looking at, if you are considering jumping on a trend, my advice is don't force it. Um, if it is something that you are comfortable with, if it applies to your brand, to your personality, um, like you were mentioning there, if that happens to be something that you're awesome at or something that, you know, really is is you and represents your authentic self or your authentic brand, um, then I'd say, lean into that and go ahead, jump on that. Um, These, these trends can be a very powerful way of getting in front of a very large audience and getting your message out there. Um, You know, if you say the right thing with the right hashtag at the right time, all of a sudden you have a worldwide audience. Um, And that's, that's kind of the power of these social media tools. Um, Anyone and everyone has a voice. Regardless of your reach, of your actual audience, if you can jump on one of those trends at the right time in the right way and, and put your message out there, um, the platform can actually take that and amplify it out beyond your wildest dreams. That being said, people have gotten very good nowadays of, of sniffing out the fakes. Um, There is a lot of fakeness online, um, and so people have gotten pretty wary of it. My number one advice when um, trying to build up your brand online, trying to build up your online presence for your business is to remain true to yourself, true to your business, true to your brand. Um, Your number one priority has to be be authentic um, because people are really going to notice that, appreciate that, um, and it's going to be the best long-term strategy for you. Um, if you try to force something, something that you're not really comfortable with, something you don't know what to do around, um, then it'll just, it'll seem weird. It'll seem forced. It'll seem fake more than likely. Um, it's, it's not going to have the desired effect. So that does apply to new platforms, uh, trending topics, new hashtags or other social media trends. You know, if it fits with you, then go for it. Otherwise don't try to force something that's not there.
0: And I just I just added a uh, an article down there in the comment section. Hopefully Sarah's found the new stream. Um, But yeah, and the one quick thing on hashtags, you know, certainly you want to be utilizing relevant hashtags uh, and testing those out as well. And right now on TikTok, uh, what the kind of the preferred uh, hashtag load, if you will, is is three to nine uh, hashtags that again are relative and, and test them out. And there's ways that you can find um, hashtags that are trending, and just DM us. I'll, I forget what the link is. I'll can send you the link though. I'd have to look it up uh, of, of how to do that. But uh, and so that's a good way to start, and then just test things out. Uh, don't go overboard. Don't put thirty, you know, hashtags in, in there. Um, some people do that, but it actually won't help you in the algorithm. Um, and then and then yeah, to answer your question, you know, our businesses. Um, you know, I have advertising and or marketing, or just engaging with TikTok. The uh, article I put there in the comment section is about Chevrolet, of course, one of the biggest brands and biggest companies in the world uh, through General Motors. And uh, they've now debuted on TikTok and they've came out with an influencer, which is another great thing that you can be doing even as a small business on TikTok. Uh, and so they've, um, uh, got a hip-hop performer named Breland. Miles, I don't know if you know Breland. I don't know. I'll have to ask my son. He probably knows. I, di- I didn't know how to pronounce Kanye West last week, though, so <laughs> you can tell I'm not a pretty because, low bar yeah, for I'm pop culture here. He has, <laughs> I'm assuming that he has a, uh, a massive following on the platform, and he also had a hit song called My Truck, and so what they did was they did a rebooted a version of that guy's song on the platform and, uh, and and so so influencing even on a micro scale which is called micro influencing uh, is something that small uh, small businesses can utilize and basically that's uh, piggybacking on somebody else's followers and so uh, you know again if you're a restaurant then you know maybe I would like uh, and, you know you can't use KU basketball players or something like that, you know, because NCAA rules, but find somebody that has a big following or is really known around town that would be willing to post when they're eating your food, like, hey, I just got carry out or I just dined in here. Uh, And you give them basically gift cards, you know, is part of how it worked that out. And so what you wanna do is you wanna find somebody that has a a large following uh, that's relevant to your target audience. But if you're a small business, you know, don't go after Breland. Uh, you know the hip hop star because his agent's not gonna, you know, obviously want want to do business with you. So you have to find that that middle zone. You know that's why I said some sort of a local influencer, uh, even you know what I call uh, the alpha mom uh, on Instagram, uh, which which are, are now there. Some of them are transitioning over to TikTok. You know, but it's the mom that has a large following that every other mom in the in the neighborhood or the community goes to to ask questions you know where do you get this where do you do that like you want that person representing your brand online Uh, and so that's another great hack that you can use on TikTok. again because those influencers even on the small micro scale they're able to get good organic reach and so they can get a lot of eyeballs on your business for relatively low spend Um, and then also just you know running traditional ads and things like that Uh, is is an an avenue as well uh, on TikTok or these other emerging platforms.
1: Awesome. Well, I just commented on Sarah's question. Hopefully we answered that for you. Um, Short answer, yes, businesses are marketing on TikTok. Um, It's a great opportunity for organic reach and to reach a whole new group of people since it is a new platform everyone there is looking for new material and new content new businesses and organizations and people to engage with um i think probably right now we're going to be looking at mostly organic strategies and mike was talking about utilizing influencers over there in order to get um you know new audience looking at your stuff there's a lot of strategies there overall those new platforms are a really great place for organic engagement and reaching out to new uh new groups of people yeah, and what, one quick thing, Miles, before we move on, because I yeah. know
0: this is probably a follow-up question, is how do I get those influencers, even those micro influencers? Is you just DM them and you you'll probably have to DM 50 to get, you know, five serious responses. So it's just a numbers game. But just just and, and another thing to do is don't just look at their followings because that can be uh, deceptive. Look at also their engagement and whether this is on TikTok or on Instagram. Look at, you know, if they have 10,000 followers, but only, you know, 15 people are liking, you know, their posts and engaging with their posts. Well, that probably means that, you know, they have BS followers, unfortunately, or they're just not really doing a good job of putting out meaningful content. And maybe they just had, you know, some viral piece once or something. That's how they got their following. So do a little bit of, of due diligence on that. Uh, Because you know you you do obviously want to be a little careful uh, when somebody's going to be out there representing your brand. So just wanted to throw that out there, Miles.
1: Absolutely. All Right. I'm just putting up our our link over here. Um, So I had a question come in this morning that I wanted to address. Um, I thought I'd like to get your take on it as well because it seemed like it was. uh, kind of a big question here, kind of a gray area. Um, But if you guys have any questions, anyone watching live, you want a question on anything, put your questions in the comments below. Or if you're catching this later, email us at askwildmanwildmanweb.com and we'll get back to you there. Um, So the issue that came up this morning um, was a, uh, a business that, like us, offered a bunch of different kinds of services, not just one particular product or service, but a bunch of things that were almost separate in nature. And the question was, do do I build up this brand around all of these different services where it's kind of confusing? If someone goes to my website, they aren't necessarily going to see exactly the product or service that they're looking for um, because I do offer so many different things, or do I break that up into multiple micro businesses different websites different branding around each of these specific highly specialized services um my answer was i'll probably dive into it a little bit deeper here because i want to get your response to it um but that there's there's two different strategies here Um, i think that putting all of it under one umbrella might be a little bit a little bit difficult, a little bit challenging, Um, just to put everything out there under a single brand. uh, People are going to be a little bit confused. You've got to structure your website very carefully to make sure that people are having their service represented as soon as they get there, and then they know where to go in order to get to that particular service. It's not confusing. As soon as they land there, they see what they want, and they're able to click on it without going and jumping through a bunch of hoops. but that means that that single website, that single brand, is going to get all of these different eyeballs on it. People from disparate industries, um, different kinds of customers, different kind of people all engaging with a single brand on social media, on your website. You're going to get more traffic, and therefore, that's actually going to help with your search rankings across all of these different industries because the rising tide raises all ships. Um, And so you're able to build this larger business. It's a little bit more challenging regarding your branding and your messaging and exactly how you're going to structure something like your Facebook page or your Google listing or your website itself. But if you can crack that code and you can make it simple so that people don't get lost, confused, frustrated, then you're going to see a much higher ceiling for yourself than if you create several different micro businesses, which will all... Uh, require some of your attention. They're going to be uh, spread out a little bit more. But one of those things is going to have uh, simpler, more direct messaging, and maybe be able to rise faster than the others, or if you are to do it all together. Um, I guess the main downside there, if you have all of them together, is that you're only moving as quickly as your slowest element there it's you're, you're really looking at moving as quickly as the slowest link in your chain um, and so if you don't get it exactly right across all of your services then you could be bogged down by one little corner that maybe didn't need to be there um, whereas if you break everything out then the one that is really going to do well is going to shoot up and uh, very quickly while the other two may, might might kind of stagnate so uh, I just want to get your thought on that. What do you think would be the proper answer for a business like that, that offers so many different products and services?
0: Well, you've certainly opened up a can of worms there, Miles.
1: That's why uh, I thought it was an interesting conversation.
0: It, it is. Okay. So you, you don't have to tell me the, the name of the business um, while we're on the air, but can you give me the category? What type of business are we talking about? And are we talking about retail, direct to consumer or a mixture?
1: Uh service DTC. Um Okay. I don't know. As soon as I say the industry here that's gonna give it away directly. So <laughs> okay. service based okay. industry. Let's say it's someone like like us, like Wildman. We've got a lot of different products and services. Would you like to break it out into having um an SEO wing and a design wing and a website mm-hmm. wing or put it under one Umbrella. Obviously, we've made our choice and we're moving with that. But you know looking at other kind of businesses that that do have all of those different kinds of offerings and they're kind of broad.
0: Okay. Way. Got it. Okay, got it. So yeah, th- this is a really good question in, in, in a really good debate. I, you know, I, I wish we had the business owner here so I could ask him some more some more follow- up questions to dig a little deeper. But uh, you know I think, I think one thing that we have to you know first separate off the off the bat here, that's really easy to conflate in this discussion is, are we talking about building brand or are we talking about sales, or are we talking about both? You know, because you're talking about building a brand, which I think should be you know, if we're going to use the 80 20 rule you know of our focus for most for most businesses, uh, it's you know it's definitely putting everything under under one umbrella, so to speak. But that, you know, synthesizing that into what the brand means. You know, uh, let's just take some well-known brands here. Okay, Nebraska Furniture Mart, for example, right? They sell a hell of a lot more than just furniture, don't they? Of course they do. They sell literally everything that you could, could, would, or should put in your house, okay? They have tens of thousands of SKUs. But what are the, what's their brand? What are they known for? They're known for affordable quality furniture, right? And that's what they get you in the door with, right? When they, and even when they do their sales, when they run a big sale, when they run a Memorial Day sale or a Labor Day sale or Fourth of July sale or whatever it is, right, they always do the big loss leaders, right? They're trying to get you in the door with the, th- the one or two or three things that they know resonates most with the audience and can put them into some sort of funnel. Right. So if I come in for the lost leader of buying the bed, well, then I got to buy the bedroom set and then I got to buy the lamp and then I got to buy the, the blondes that go with that. Right. And then I, I'll, then I got to do the whole new freaking bathroom right? Because the bathroom's got to match the new bedroom. You know, see, And so they're taking me down through a buying funnel. But if they started out in the ads or the branding and say, like, hey, we're going to do all this for you. We're going to do that. Ah, psh, I'm out, right? And so that that's kind of the secret to the sauce when you have all of those offerings is how can I position that in a way that doesn't completely skew and 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 complicate my brand you know so if somebody hears my brand name they can say back one or two sentences of what I do and also how can I take them through a real customer journey down through my buying funnel that again is not gonna confuse or scare the customer because people hate to be sold to but they love to buy so how can I remove all the hoops to make it easier for them to buy right you know, it, think about another uh, industry with a whole bunch of different items, the grocery store, okay? Grocery store does the same thing in, in their sales is they'll do a loss leader to get you in the, in, in, the, in the store, right? And then they'll know that, okay, I forgot about this. And wait, it, do we have butter? Uh, better get some. You know, why did they put the milk all the way in the back of the store? So you have to walk through the whole gosh darn store in order to in order to see all those other items that you didn't think you needed when you walked in the store, right? So there's there's also a difference between how you would how this would play out in retail and how it would play out online in DTC. That's why I asked that you know that question because because you know in DTC you can you can more easily say you know fragment these things up into separate landing pages or microsites or things like that uh, to sell to people to so you don't get them you know, product fatigue or service fatigue, you know, and and you know, they're trying to, they only want one thing and, and they see 50 things on your website, right? So there, there's a way that when we're talking about direct to consumer on, on, online only, you do want to segment that out in, in some cases. So, you know, it's hard, really hard to answer this generally, but uh, generally, you know, without knowing what the business is or even, even the category, I would say, you know, again, going back to the 80-20 rule, that 80% of the time, you, you want to keep everything under one umbrella. Um, but you want to keep that singular focus on building the brand. And then one, two, three, maybe. I'm not talking to you right now. Sorry, I just got a call. Uh, you know, one or two or three flagship services or products that you want to be known for underneath that brand. You know, what are your three pillars, so to speak? You know, we had to do that with Wildman web solutions, right? Miles, it's like, we have, I don't even know how many products we have. I probably should as the sales manager, but I don't know, somewhere between 50 and 100, hundred, maybe more, I don't know. But like, what are the three things that we focus on? Websites, apps, digital marketing, right? Because there has to be some sort of focus to what you're, what you're branding and what you're selling. And then when you get somebody in the door, when you get somebody in a meeting and you figure out all the other things that they need, then that's the appropriate time to talk about this, that, and the other thing. But if you just lead with that, A, it's going to lead to confusion in your brand, and it's, it's going to make it more difficult to sell somebody, you know, the one or two, th- three things that they were actually coming in, in to, to do. So, you know, always think about that principle of people being sold to but they love to buy. Don't oversell your products. You know, when, when we talk about um, you know, even, even in, in, in in service-based direct to consumer, you know, I think a big mistake for a lot of service-based businesses is trying to sell their service on the website. That'll work for some, but not for many. You want to sell getting the meeting set so that your sales team can then sell the service. You just want them to, to opt into being like hey I'm, I want to hear more you know and, and so there's there's all kinds of, of different levels of this discussion but you know I think over over complicating things is a huge mistake uh, when, when we talk about just the psychology that somebody goes through in a customer journey make it super simple for them right uh, you know Apple you know they don't they don't talk about all their auxiliary products right? Apple doesn't try to sell me uh, you know, these things, right? They try to sell me the hardware. They know that I'm gonna buy all the other you know, things that go with it and the apps and all that stuff. They're trying to sell me the iPhone and the computer, the hardware. So same thing, reverse, just reverse engineer that principle with your services. What are my core services that are gonna get somebody in the top of the funnel and down through into the middle of the funnel that then I can then I can open it up and say, OK, well, you also need this, this, this and this if you really want your service that you're trying to, you know, accomplish or your problem that you're trying to solve uh, be accomplished. Uh, because, you know, as we all know, oftentimes services aren't completely standalone a la carte. And that's why I want to know a little bit more about the business, because sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. Uh, and so, Miles, I don't want to I don't want to drag on too long, but hopefully that answers the question.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, And I'll I'll have a couple of things to add on here, but apparently it was a good question here. I've got a comment from Chelsea. Um, That was actually my exact question a few months ago. Uh, I talked to Mike Mike and didn't send it over email. So uh, we've got some other people interested in this kind of question, this kind of um, challenge when it comes to running a more complicated business. Uh, When you have a lot of different products, a lot of different services, how do you present that online? Mm-hmm. Um, I will add a, a couple of things in there. I liked the idea of focusing on your brand when you have so many different services, so many different products. You don't want to focus on the products. You want to put your brand out there so that people identify you with that um, with that overall brand, with that overall brand concept, um, and so then when they go to you, then they they're already sold on the brand, and then they're going to look for the service then they're going to look to make the sale to themselves, basically. And at that point, you probably want to pull them into more of a one-on-one type of interaction, set up a meeting with them. That's where you get the free consult. in. that's when you set up an you know, email interaction, a phone call, whatever your your primary call to action is for your business. I might be breaking up here a little bit, so I apologize. But the uh, the other one that I wanted to weigh in on there was sort of an element of the Marketing funnel that we don't talk about a lot. Usually, we just imagine that single funnel, reaching right wide at the top and then pushing someone down to a single call to action. But in mm-hmm. some businesses, that's not necessarily what you want. You want a couple of uh, a couple of very similar marketing funnels. So at the very beginning, whatever that first interaction is with your business, we'll say website for. Uh, You know, ease of conversation. Someone lands on your website, you want to immediately funnel them into the right category. So, that first page, that first thing that everyone sees there should represent your brand because that's what you've been selling the entire time. And then it should sort them into the proper bucket so that you can then follow them down through their relevant content uh, and through that, through their relevant marketing funnel. Is there's going to be a, a slightly different process for selling someone in this industry, this particular product versus that industry in that particular service. Um, and you can cater those t- things to different segments of your audience. Um, so that means that that first interaction with your business, whether it's your Facebook page or your website or your Google listing or whatever, should be focusing on those two things. One, your brand, because that's what you've been pushing out there. That's what you've been marketing on. Not your services, not your products, and then secondarily, it's going to be looking to sort them into the proper funnel so that you can bring them through that entire customer journey and eventually close.
0: You know, you maybe think of one quick thing there, going back to uh, everybody's favorite radio station, W I I F M. What's in it for me? Uh, you know, I, I think another thing is is you know focus on the the benefits of your products or services. A lot of times, whether it's it's in our marketing, or our branding, or just in our website in general or how we talk to our clients, we get focused on the features. And hey, it does this, this, and this, or I I can do this, that, and this. And we don't focus enough on the benefits of what they're specifically going to get out of it. And 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 that's just another case sometimes of overselling. But sometimes we're just we're just giving. What is is we think it's important information you know as the business person because we're like man look at all this stuff they can do but it's useless information to the person that's just figuring out how can i solve this one problem and and you know and and so to talk about your, your your point about the funnel uh a minute ago which i think was really really smart is you know it's it's not just a one and done sale for most businesses and they don't want to have a one and done sale. i was talking to a potential client about this yesterday as we were dissecting his his or their buying funnel you know it, it's obviously easier to sell to a reoccurring customer or to a previous customer than it is to sell to a brand new customer and it's going to be cheaper too your cost of acquisition is always going to be less for somebody who knows your brand has always you know, already dealt with your brand and bought your brand unless your brand's just terrible and you have a completely marketing bridge issue and you're you're losing customers because you're pissing them off it's a whole other story. But you know, then trying to go out and get brand new people to go all the way from I never heard of you to i doing business with you, right? Just makes logical sense. And so so you know the extenuation of that first buy is really what you know comes into play here as well. And you know the the reason why when you buy something from Nebraska Furniture Mart is to go back to that that they try it, you know, they get your email address, right? They get your phone number. They try to sign you up for the Nebraska Furniture Mark card, you know? And all of these things are ways to put them into that extended buying funnel to, to continue to grow and mature that customer and grow the lifetime value of that customer over time. Because they know that if I can continue to grow that customer that I, always are, I already have, it's gonna always be a better ROI than to go back and treat, keep trying to sell new customers over and over again. And so I think that's a really important point. You know, don't bite off more than you can chew. And you, know, just, you can sell to that person again. You don't have to sell them all of your services or all your products you know, the first time that they buy something. Uh, you know, same thing with what I was saying about you know, even trying to sell the products or the services themselves on the website. Just take it one step at a time. Just first convince that you can help them and why you're the person to help them, get them the next step and then take it from there. Uh, but you know, it, it just goes back to what we harp on all the time about really understanding your sales funnel, your buying funnel, you know, this is why you have to take a lot of time, understand your customer journey um, so that you can navigate you know, your customers in this way and understand where they are, how to talk to them at the right time uh, in the process of going through uh, being your customer
1: and focusing on your brand. Your brand is the personality of your business and it's very malleable. You can do a lot with it. Mm -hmm. So regardless of if you just sell this one specific product or if you've got a 100 different products and services, that brand is gonna stay consistent. If you can build that up, that's gonna be your best friend in developing a robust marketing funnel, Mm -hmm. a concise customer journey, and hopefully delivering uh, Good service getting lots of sales and Definitely. that's that's ultimately what we're looking at as business owners we want to see those sales um, all right so yep. we're we're hitting an hour here uh, I know we had a little bit of a break there in the middle so hopefully uh, people find their way from from one stream to the other here uh, but you know it wouldn't be a a proper live stream without a little bit of technical difficulty in there just to shake things up a bit. Um, But we will be back next Wednesday at 11. Both Mike and I here to answer your questions. If you don't already, follow us on social media at WildmanWeb. We're on every platform there is with that handle. So uh, make sure to follow us there and we'll be streaming live next Wednesday to our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Um, If you like what we're doing here, we, you think the content is good, then give us a like, share, follow. That'll help us to reach more people and answer some more questions. All right. With that, I'm going to wrap up the show. Mike, thank you. Very well,
0: much. actually, Miles, actually, Miles, yes. I'm, I'm going to go a little bit of rogue here. And folks, you're never supposed to do this, okay? When the, when the host of the show, when, when, he, when he goes into wrap-up mode, you're never supposed to tack on something
1: else. Ruining That's my groove.
0: Definitely against the rules. But... <laughs> Here's what I'm gonna do because I think I think we got it. Uh, we we got cut off uh, talking about Macy's earlier.
1: Yes, we and did. There yeah, there
0: was a few so salient points that I that I that I had to make in that, and I know that if I don't make it right now, I'm gonna completely forget all of this by next Wednesday show. And so no, I'll okay, be brief, Miles, because I know we have meetings coming up that we got to get to let me real quick just get to the macy's news hopefully we won't have technical difficulties this time uh i'm gonna put this article down in the comments as well uh but macy's who i know i know we're all familiar with macy's and i'll do a little bit more of a succinct uh version of this than last time but you know macy's obviously a historic uh, heritage brand they've been around 160 years they are uh, a case study, or we should probably do a case study on them. I don't know if Joe Polizzi has. Big shout out to Joe Polizzi, contentmarketinginc.com. Uh, but you know they had did a great thing with, with uh, content marketing years and years ago that helped them build a brand up. And that was the Macy's Day Parade, of course, which is just, like I said, textbook example of content marketing and building brand through that. Uh, unfortunately, in the last 10 or 20 years, they have not done as many brilliant things uh, until now, until this news that they've just rolled out recently. But, you know, uh, as I was saying earlier before we got cut off, I think one of the big things that happened to Macy's was, of course, you can blame it on the Great Recession. Of course, you can blame it on e-commerce and Amazon and things like this. But I really think that their leadership team, along with so many other struggling big retailers uh, like J.C. JCPenney's, which is is bankrupt and, and and so on and so forth that they just lost sight of their vision and they started looking in the rear view and they started thinking, well, this is the way we've always done. And they didn't, they didn't optimize their business, you know, at the right time. And they didn't, uh, you know, uh, innovate if you will, and to keep up with what the consumer wanted. And, you know, uh, Sam Walton, I'm going to paraphrase this and probably butcher it. You know, he had a famous quote years ago, that, you know, every business has a boss, you know, whether you're the, the guy shining people's shoes or you're running the biggest corporation in the world, we all have a boss and that boss is.
1: And I think we just lost him. He's never going to get through this story live on air. Is he? <laughs> okay. We'll see if I can't get him back here in just a minute. We might have to save this show for next week. All right, I'm calling it time of death 12 04 p.m. on Wednesday. Oh, wait, no, he's back. He is back from the dead here. You are never gonna (laughs) get through this story.
0: Yeah, I don't know what's happening here. Uh, I was talking about Macy's out of the the TOS agreements of YouTube and Facebook. Um, Yeah, we are streaming, we are switching streaming platforms. (laughs) I know we said that. A week or two ago but it's it's for real this time uh we've we've got it all dialed up we just didn't pull the trigger this week and here we are so anyway so i am going to wrap this up before we get kicked off again so macy's uh you know gone through great up and da- great ups and downs over the years there's a lot we can learn from it uh but what they've done recently i think is brilliant and something that we talk about all the time on this show miles and that is If you're going to be a business in 2021, you really have to be a media company and think about yourself as a media company first and whatever else you do second. Um, And and what they've done is they've created Macy's Media Company. And not only have they uh, built out a full in-house media company, but also a full in-house advertising company. And what they've done is they're leveraging their first party and zero party data, which has become the gold standard in marketing and advertising now with the changes that have gone through on Google and Apple iOS platforms. We've talked about this uh, several times on the show the last few weeks and why every business out there needs to be uh, really, really paying primary attention to getting that opt-in data. That's what first party, zero party data means is people actually opt in to give it to you. And so that's what we want. uh, And that's what Macy's has done is they've created their own platform where brands are now gonna pay them to opt into their first party data system to advertise their products to the Macy's customer base. And it's already generated $35 million in revenue. uh, Certainly not a drop in the bucket, but just a really, really interesting pivot, uh, tip of the cap to Macy's. Um, I'm proud of them. Uh, for for joining us here in the 21st century, and uh, and coming out of the gate with this whole idea, uh, and again, I think something that is just a great example that every uh, no matter how small of a business you are, that you can take uh, a little bit of a grain of salt and learn from this, and uh, apply it to your business as well. So, that's the story. We kind of got through it without being interrupted. Uh, but yeah, really, really interesting news yeah. out out of Macy's uh, becoming a media company. Miles,
1: yep, they took our advice. Well, we've been and with that months. <laughs> Become yes, media and with company. that I will we shut up media company. And
0: you can wrap up the show.
1: Yeah, All yeah, right. we'll All send
0: right. them an invoice. <laughs>
1: yeah we're gonna we're gonna end it now um if you do have any questions or we didn't get to you here please uh comment below or email us ask wild at wildmanweb.com and we will get you next week when we will be uh using a different streaming service to see how that goes (laughs) (laughs) all right thanks mike we'll see him again next wednesday yeah great
0: questions everybody thanks
1: all right thanks everyone we will see you next week wednesday at 11
0: Thanks for listening to Ask Wildman. Send us a question for next week's show at askwildman at wildmanweb.com.